0: We are back, and today is part four. We are talking about negotiating, and if you've not listened to the three previous podcasts on this little mini-series, make sure you go back and listen to all of those. And obviously, if you're listening on on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or whatnot, that's very easy to find. And if you're watching this video or watching a video of this podcast, I should say, over on um, YouTube, obviously, you know what to do there as well. Uh, these should be all sequential, and all the thumbnails, if you're over on YouTube, are going to be numer- uh, you know, put in numerical order. So that should help you a lot. I know a lot of you are really appreciating this, um, these uh, negotiating tips and suggestions because for the first times in your careers, you've actually had to learn how to negotiate. And I don't mean that in a condescending or snotty way. You've had to negotiate in the old market, but it was nowhere near the complexity of negotiating in this market. Um, and we don't, you know, you know what the old market was? It was essentially Hopefully you make a, an offer that's going to be salacious enough for the seller to accept it. And if they do, they do. And if they don't, they don't. And it, you know, a lot of you know, that kind of thing, it just didn't even make any sense half the time. But the reality of it now in this market, if you have the skills to negotiate a contract, you're going to be able to make money putting deals together that other people can't. That's the thing that uh, really, you know, that frankly, we're coming out of an era where you could kind of, as our friends in Texas used to say, uh, be tall hat, no cattle and get away with it. Uh, In other words, you could fake it and sometimes because the market had so much sales velocity, people wouldn't call you out on it. You put a house for sale, you strut around and act like you sold it and you did all this work. Well, you know, the reality of it is, is that house would have sold um, with anybody listing it and it didn't need any marketing. It didn't need any advertising. It didn't need to have great condition location or price. You just needed to put it in the MLS and put it for sale. In some markets, that's still the case. Well, those markets are that type of, um, you know, market is... It's quickly coming to an end. Again, there'll be pockets where it's super hot, but for the most part, we're gonna be entering back into what's gonna feel more like a balanced market. It's a balanced market is by definition where there's about a four month supply of homes for sale. Right now, you put a listing for sale, there's probably, let's say, five buyers that wanna buy it. Six months ago, you put a listing for sale, there are probably you know 20 buyers that wanted to buy it. A balanced market is where you put a house for sale um, and then there's one buyer for it, or maybe two. That's called a normal market. That's the market that Julie and I personally sold real estate in. We never actually sold real estate. We coached real estate agents in a hot seller's market, but never actually sold in a hot seller's market. So our where we cut our teeth was selling in a market that frankly was a lot like this one and the one that is to come. Now, before we get to point uh, part four, I also want to let all of you know the hardest time in a shifting market is right now you're experiencing or frankly going to start experiencing what will be the toughest part of this transition because this is where the fear or the lack really what it comes down to is it takes people a while to acclimate to the new reality a lot of people and don't you know just call yourself out on this if you're one of these people a lot of people what they do is they hide out They, they, their fear takes over. They're waiting for the old market to return. They're waiting for someone to tell them what to do. They're waiting for, uh, you know, somehow the government to ride in on a white horse and throw money in their laps again. All these types of things. The waiting is what's going to kill you because the fact is the market will pass you by. Uh, So eventually you're going to have to accept the new market. It might be you did, you know, two months ago. It might be two months from now, or it might be two years from now, but eventually you're going to have to accept it. So the strongest suggestion I have for all of you guys is do not wait, do not delay, become part of the new market, stop fighting it, Start. stop wrestling with it, stop worrying so much about things you cannot control. What can you not control? Pretty much everything. You can't control who the president is, you cannot control what the interest rates are, you cannot control whether we're in a recession or not a recession, but you can certainly control the actions you take and the information you put in your head. And then ultimately you can control what you choose to do with that information and that's called skill, and that's where you start helping people and you start making money. The hardest part, again, is in this transitionary period. How long will it take To go from the old market to the new market well let's agree that the old market sort of petered out two or three months ago and here's the reality in the new market is actually not going to be relevant for probably another six to twelve months that's how long it's going to take because there's so many things that are happening simultaneously inflation now this is a political midterm year you have all these other things that are going to be happening that are going to cause people to have essentially their fear mechanism in their heads is going to be constantly reinforced And that's what you have to be on the lookout for within yourself. Again, don't wait for the clouds to clear because they're not going to clear anytime soon. Just buckle down, learn what you got to learn, take actions that you know you need to take. And then you'll find more opportunities everywhere because of this market. It's sort of a, I don't know, overused saying, and we certainly overuse it too, that thrive because of this market. In other words, you know, don't just survive this market, thrive because of this market. Well, what does that mean? You're going to learn how to do things that other people don't know how to do. You're going to help people that other people don't know how to help. And frankly, you're going to make the money that other people can't even imagine making because of this market. That's what a transitioning market is all about. So please take this very seriously. And if you're feeling fear, because certainly the last few news cycles have been full of fear, you need to disassociate with it. Remove yourself from it. Become media free. And I know that's super hard because everyone's talking about it. But step back and focus on what you can control. Control. What you can control are the three to five things that we prescribe that you do every single day, and you know they're very simple things. They're things that are going to put you into action, going to help you help other people, help you to show, you know you're going to learn how to help other people, and you're going to make money. All the other things, the fluff, the normal is the normalized. You know, branding and ego marketing and the, all this other marketing stuff, those are the things that you need to seriously shelve because they're going to take too long to work if they ever worked at all. Get back into, frankly, the mode of learning how to have direct, normal conversations. So, and Julie, um, sorry, I just had this rant in my mind because I just had a coaching call with somebody, but I want to share, you just share with them. You were telling me last week about one of your personal coaching clients And she went on a listing appointment, on an expired listing, and the seller walked her over to the fireplace, and...
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes, she had not been the only one that had that expired on their mind, but the expired said, let's take a look over at my fireplace. Do you know any of these people? To which she kind of had a little gasp, what do you mean? We're looking at your fireplace. (laughs) And in the fireplace was a mountain of business cards and passively sent letters, postcards, and that sort of thing. And that expired said, you were the only one who called me and stopped by, and that's why I'm listing with you tonight.
0: Who's that, by the way? Give or call out. Uh, Penducah Kentucky, right?
1: Uh, no, I... It's been a week. It's been been too many calls ago. It was either Tammy or it might've been one of my Susans.
0: Well, you're listening. You know who you are. (laughs) You know who you are.
1: Nice job. I think it might've been Sue Erdman.
0: And Julie told me your story and, uh, you know, hats off to you. But listen, let's say it was Sue, right? Sue did what we asked her to do. Sue used our script. She actually called the seller and she actually got the listing and everyone else was doing all the passive stuff. Do you guys get it? Kindling. Kindling. Exactly. (laughs) Proactive is you go and you call the seller. Proactive. Proactive is you have an actual conversation. Passive is you just mail them something or you, you know, do something digital. That's passive. Proactive is going to get the business. When you are proactive, what is that? what impression does that leave on that seller versus if you're passive? Well, let's use the example of you know the passive lead generators were tossed in the fireplace, right? And the proactive lead generator got the listing contract signed. That's the difference to what we're talking about. You have to acknowledge that 99.9% of you are passive lead generators. That's all you know how to do. You do not know how to, and again, I'm just being direct for the sake of brevity and the sake of time. You have to learn how to be proactively generator. You have to learn how to pre-qualify. You have to learn how to do real sales skills. And that is what it is. And basically sales skills are asking questions that lead to the desirable, the, the desired result on behalf of the client. And when you do that in a market like this and other people don't know how to do it, you are going to make so much money you your head will spin and then you're going to have a problem which is a great problem to have how to manage all your business and you know <laughs> frankly that's where many of it's you true. are going to find yourselves in less than 6 months if you take the opportunity to make the most of this market seriously don't hide out don't wait around things are just going to get more challenging for unskilled agents and except the fact that vast majority of you are unskilled. And that's the reason that you're mailing uh, crap to an expired versus actually picking up the phone, having a conversation and getting the listing, because you don't know what to say or how to say it. And expired are just an example. We teach you 20 different sources of lead generation when you're um, one of our premier coaching clients. So please do consider becoming a premier coaching client. Um, And the easiest way for you to do that is text the word premier to four seven three seven two, text the word "Premier" to four seven three seven two, or just go to members dot Members dot We'll get you in position now to make the most of this market. And yes, this does include a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our Harris-certified coaches. So text the word "Premier" to four seven three seven two, or just go to members dot com. Julie, let's get back to uh, part four.
1: Yes, speaking of sales skills, negotiating is one of those. So this is part four of our negotiating series, Putting the Deal Together. Remember that the definition of negotiation is bringing two or more parties together to reach an acceptable outcome for all. So the following we'll go through fairly quickly. These are good uh, guidelines and strategies to make sure you actually get the deal together. We talked about knowing about the subject property, knowing what the seller's priorities are, knowing what the buyer's priorities are, but today is overall getting the deal together. Point number one, always advocate for your client. Remember your agency agreement and your fiduciary duty. 30% of the real estate exam was on ethics. The questions were all situational, testing on whose side you'd be on in negotiations or tough situations. So err on the side of your client always and keep yourself out of trouble. Your job is to be a skillful advocate. That's just kind of a mindset reminder. But also when you're doing what's right for the client and reminding them of their own motivation, they're probably going to make the right decision to get themselves in contract. All right, point number two, and this is one we haven't talked about in a long time. Point number two, never reject an offer. Always, always counter offer, even if it seems low ball or outrageous. Sometimes a buyer will come in low just to get the ball rolling or a seller will counter at list price to show they're serious about price, but willing to negotiate. Never let a deal die on your watch, unless you find out the buyer is unqualified or the seller no longer wishes to sell.
0: And again, that goes back to skill because so many of you aren't going to know what it means to receive an offer that's significantly less than the list price. And you're going to have sellers that are going to be pissed off at you, sellers that are going to try to blame you, sellers that are going to basically have, you know turn in from the nice sweetest person you've ever met in your life to a serial killer. And all that happens because they're under themselves a lot of fear and now you combine that with. With the you know realization that their house isn't worth what they thought they uh, thought it was worth. We can't go over all the techniques to basically calm the sellers' nerves, but there is a lot of psychology that's going to be involved in a market like this. Mindset is a lot of people like to refer to it as your mindset primarily, and then you're going to have to learn how to have good bedside manner and have masterful mindset uh, you know techniques working with your prospective clients. Oh, and also the co-ops. Everybody now is going to be feeling a lot of you know un- misdirected. Fear, not knowing what to do. Again, this is the hard part of a transitioning market. It can last months. It usually four to six months that we've dealt with this in our own, you know, business and our own professional lives in the past thirty years. We've gone through similar things like this with our coaching clients and in our own businesses at least three or four times, and it always is like that. There's going to be. I remember very clearly after September 11th, everyone was like, "What the hell's going to happen in the market?" And sure enough. The market basically took a pause in a meaningful way for like 90 days. And then it came roaring back. You guys remember COVID market took a pause and then a meaningful way. And then it came roaring back. All of that is normal human behavior. But the one thing that's amazing about humans is we're highly adaptable. We can adapt to change incredibly fast we just have to know where we just have to go through the process of grieving for the old market as we welcome in the new market that's what's happening now see yourself being done with that process so you can be ahead of the curve and you can be more competitive in your marketplace
1: point number three and we'll do this quickly because we've touched on it previously and then we'll get to number four point number three recognize that price is not the most important item for many clients A client who gets their closing and possession dates without having to move twice may be more flexible on price than you think. A buyer who finds their dream home may suddenly be okay paying a little bit over list price to get it. Following our pre-negotiation checklists we'll sort all of this out and give you some negotiating tactics other than price.
0: And by the way, pre-negotiating checklists are on the level that you get the second you enroll in Premier Coaching, and that is completely free. So text the word Premier to 47372, or just go to members.timandjulieharris.com. Julie, point number four. Point
1: number four. This is a fun one. Emotions and logic. Use your comparable sales, your buyer or seller net sheets, facts about days on the market, and list to sell price ratio, but don't forget. Forget emotions, toggle back and forth to help your client make the best decision possible. What will it feel like not to have to clean before ten more showings? What will it feel like to be moved in before the holidays? What would happen if we accepted this offer and were closed by the end of next month?
0: But you cannot do it again. These are all scripts and techniques that we uh, explained to you guys in great detail how to do in Premier Coaching. Actually, I have to say, Julie, those um, the price reduction scripts. I bet you that section in premier coaching hasn't been open in like 10 years by anybody other than you. Right, I know. You know, it's so amazing to look back at some of those scripts that you and I've been that we've, you know, frankly have evolved over the past 30 years. Yep. And you know, it's psychology. It's like agents have to learn how to be little uh, frankly psychologists. Absolutely. You know, that we call it doctor filling the seller, well you're going to have to doctor fill yourself first and then obviously everyone else that's uh, involved in the real estate transaction. Welcome to the new market, people, point number five.
1: Yes, point number five, and this has been coming up more and more, and some people call this the revenge of the buyer's agents. Stop doing that to each other. Point number five, practice professional courtesy. Don't be overly aggressive, abusive, or manipulative. You'll meet that agent again on the other side of a different deal. The seller might expire if it doesn't get sold. The buyer might take themselves out of the market and come back in six months practice reputation management by being the rock in the transaction not the drama king or queen your clients will always be stressed when negotiating in any market in any circumstances so your job is to take the stress away instead of fueling it
0: that's right and again this always goes back to really i remember very clearly when you and i sold real estate our first year in the business and all these seasoned agents with the you know had all the listings they were very skeptical who are these who is this tim and julie and then we uh, got great advice from our broker, Rory Averill, telling us how to manage ourselves professionally, and we did it. And what would happen is, is when we had a situation where one of our buyers wanted the property, and maybe there were some other offers that were coming in as well, because we had had a good track record working with those listing agents, they would give our, you know, it's just human nature. They're going to want to work with a person that's going to be the easiest to work with. They knew we'd have our buyers pre-qualified. They knew our buyers were motivated. They knew that we, if the, you know, the buyer had any sort of, It bumps in the road that we had the skill set to move them past that. Those are the types of things that you're going to have to earn the right to have the reputation in your marketplace of being someone that the other agents actually want to work with. And if you are some sort of, you know, pushy person who thinks you're going to win them with your branding and your marketing and all that, and you're shocked and amazed that you never get any of your deals together, maybe it's because you haven't taken the time to earn, frankly, a good reputation with your, uh, fellow agents i mean that really is the bottom line and again this is a tragic mistake that a lot of new agents make they do not understand the real the fact this real estate business is predicated on cooperation i know
1: And, and you know i feel for the buyer's agents who feel like they have really been pushed around by the market and by listing agents for the past you know three to five years i get that but now is not the time to try and even that score by lowballing or arguing with the listing agent. Remember, the definition of negotiation is coming to a logical conclusion for everybody to be happy.
0: By the way, if you're dissatisfied with your experience as a buyer agent, the best thing for you to do is focus all your best energies on becoming a listing agent. Because really, the buyer agent is always going to have the shorter of the stick. They're never going to control the market or the opportunities. That's always going to be in favor of the listing agents. If you want to last in real estate, you absolutely positively need to be a listing agent. So Move all your best energies and thoughts. The past market because of FOMO and because of low interest rates and all other kinds of reasons was, frankly, it was not that difficult. It was mostly a social experience. You know, it was mostly just hanging out and, you know, it wasn't really not a high level skill necessary to get houses in contract in the buyer agent side. It was more of an exercise and mostly futility, but also essentially, you know, work just Okay. Well, you said best, Julie. you know, working with sellers is mental labor, working with phys- uh, buyers is physical labor. Well, if you want to make the most of this new market, there's going to be more opportunities on the listing side of the equation. We gave you an example of the agent that was willing to call the seller, have a conversation, and actually get the listing. The seller, you hopefully are understanding this, listed with the gal, not because she had knew her previously. The lady hadn't built, you know, this agent that got the listing. She probably didn't, the seller probably didn't even hear of her until she actually picked up the phone. It was her skills that got the listing, it was her pre listing pack that got the listing. It was her ability to pre-qualify that got the listing, but more than anything, it was because she showed up and asked for the business.
1: Very simple, right? Have those conversations. All right, point number six, know if and when your client is willing to walk away. Test them on that notion by asking them if you call them tomorrow morning to let them know that their offer was a, that another offer was accepted, how would they feel? Or if you're on the listing side, if we lose this buyer entirely, keeping in mind that it's our only offer on the table right now, and i call you tomorrow to say they walked how are we going to feel about that
0: let's drill down on that so let's say the house has been for sale for 60 days and you know we're mentoring now into a market that's going to take longer to sell in most markets than than you know 60 days let's say 60 days from now is going to seem like a good days in the market it's entirely possible you with me listeners so you have to explain to the seller and this is again a script it's in premier coaching and I'm giving you the abbreviated version of it, but the essence of it is, is Mr. Seller, it took us 60 days to get a real offer on the property. Are you willing to wait another 60 days and what does that do to your plans? So if you had pre-qualified that seller and you know that they wanted to have the house, you know, transaction done before the kids go back to school, well, you know, that's not gonna time out for them and ask if their plans have changed. Remind them what they originally told you was their timeframe. Oh, you don't know what their timeframe was because you didn't pre-qualify them? This goes back to sales skills. You guys getting this? You can't just do one thing. We have a seven-step listing process. Do all seven steps. Don't skip any steps. Learn how to be a professional and you will get consistent professional results.
1: Speaking of which, funny you should mention that. This is a point that always surprised me. Point number seven, realize that what a client says is a deal killer may or may not actually be. You don't really know until there's a legitimate offer on the table with real numbers to consider. That would be a seller's net sheet, Mm -hmm. buyer's net sheet until you're actually showing them because look, if a house sits on the market for 90 days, they just made three house payments and their net payoff has changed and everything else.
0: Well, let's frame this. So if you have a seller and this is going to be a huge problem right now because so many sellers are going to be wedded to the past reality. They're not ready to accept the new one as the rest of us. Right. But if you show a seller says, I'll just make up a number. Okay. I'm not going to accept this. dime less than 500 grand. Okay, that's fine, Mr. Seller. I appreciate that. Uh, well, the offer is for 480. Well, tell them 500 or they can hit the pavement. Well, here's what the net sheet would look like. Here's what your actual net. This is what you would walk away with from a closing. They don't think like that. And when they see this number, this staring back at them, and they're thinking, well, that's not bad. And then you can ask, again, these are scripts. These are all in Premier Coaching. Mr. Seller, um, because you've done your homework ahead of time when you pre-qualified them, you know that they needed $250,000 to put down on their next house or or whatever the number is, 50,000, doesn't matter. And so now they're looking down at the fact that they do have enough net uh, proceeds from the sale accepting the offer as it's written that they can't accomplish their financial goal on the up leg. And so really what you're dealing with at that point is the seller's ego. And once the seller looks at the numbers, chances are, They're going to look at the deal with the reality of, well, this is what I want because here are the types of questions we teach you in premier coaching. Mr. Seller, it took us 60 days to get an offer on the property and this is what the results would be if you were to accept this offer and you could have your money in your pocket in 30 days. Now if we wait another 60 days Mr. Seller, what is your opinion? Do you think the value of the house is going to go up or go down considering that we're in a recession and interest rates are going up? Do you think there'll be fewer buyers or more buyers in the new market that we're entering to? And what will that do Mr. Seller to the value to the essentially the size of the check I'm able to hand you at closing? And then if you really want to take it to the next level, if they're really stubborn, you can tell them a story. And you can use my story. So here's my story. So, Mr. Seller, I want to share with you a story. Don't give them facts and figures and analytical data and spreadsheets. Some sellers will like that. But for the most part, everyone's going to resonate with the story. Mr. Seller, I want to share with you a story. I had a situation just like this happen uh, 30 days ago. Now, if you didn't, listeners, which you probably didn't, use my story. Say I was talking to this amazing coach named Tim Harris and his gorgeous wife named Julie Harris, and they were telling me this story. You guys get it? So I had this happen about 30 days ago. I had a seller... Who um, had an offer presented? The house had sat on the market for 60 days, and the house was a great house, good condition, good price, good location. But the market was changing. There were fewer buyers in the market. The you know just all the reasons that we're experiencing now in the economy were having an adverse effect on the house selling faster. Um, and then what the seller said, you know what, my neighbor's house two weeks or I'm sorry, my neighbor's house last year sold for you know are 490 and your offer is only for 500 in my market in my mind my house should now be worth at least 500 they're getting a deal matter of fact they should take 525 for it so i'm not only not going to accept the offer i don't even want you to send it over tell those sellers they can or those buyers they can just you know pound dirt okay that's the type of overreaction a lot of uh, sellers are going to have that's mostly an ego reaction that's not based in reality it's just ego Um, We had a seller once who told us that they want us to sell the house for enough that they can put down on their next house and pay for, and I'm not making this up, a new Lexus convertible. To which we're like, well, I don't know what the hell that has to do with. You remember who that was? Head of Pond Road in New Albany. Yes, I remember that too. That was like crazy. And this is a true story. He pulled out the flipping brochure from the local Lexus dealer. And I remember what it was. It was an SC400 and he wanted to get a red one. Yeah, yeah convertible. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I mean, that has yeah, no, that, but here's the
1: thing they that, still sold. that
0: they still sold, but that wasn't even remotely tied to reality. No. So then you have to ask them, you know, go back to the questions about motivation, but you won't know their motivation until you've actually pre-qualified them and know what their time frame is. Uh, and so you tell them a story. So Mr. Seller, I was in a, you know, having a conversation exactly like this, maybe two months ago, similar situation, similar price range. And sure enough, they didn't accept the offer. The house went back for sale. And to this day, Mr. Seller, they haven't received another offer on the property. We've had to lower the price now to a price that's lower than what they could have uh, sold it to that first buyer for and i have to tell you i am so i feel so sorry for them and i i did everything i could to help them understand they should have accepted that offer but they didn't and every time i talk to them all they tell me is i wish i would have accepted the other offer i even went back to that buyer and that buyer's agent and tried to get them to resubmit the offer or tell them we'd accept it but of course the buyer purchased something else I don't want you to be in that same situation. I don't want you to look back at this and feel regretful that you didn't take it. So here's your net sheet. Here's how the numbers work. You guys get it? That's a little Dr. Phil mixed with a little net sheet analytical approach. And some scripting. Exactly. That's how you have to get when you are going to succeed in this market. And all of you guys can do it. It's not that hard. And frankly, it's kind of fun. Honestly, it requires a higher skill set, a different approach. But for many of you, it's going to be a massive relief. You're not gonna, you know, the idea that you can make a bunch of TikTok videos and YouTube videos and all this other social marketing branding Mickey Mouse and that's what it takes. And some of you, frankly, like my wife and I, uh, you don't really like all of that stuff. It feels kind of manufactured, just to put it nicely, or, you know, just not really in your personal wheelhouse, but you've been forcing yourself to do it. Well, now you are going to realize that in a real market, it's not going to be a beauty contest that's going to get you the business. It's going to be your skill set. You're not going to like the idea of walking into a seller's house and trying to razzle dazzle them with all your, you know, fake bot followers and your Instagram likes and all that and thinking that's guys, we actually have other quote unquote coaches and trainers that are teaching agents to try to win listings based on how many you know followers they bought for their Instagram account. You guys know you can buy likes, comments and followers for every single social media channel, but there's people out there that are trying to convince agents that's what sellers look for and they're choosing agents based on essentially their number of likes on their latest YouTube video about what they had for lunch. Vanity I'm not metrics, right? I'm, vanity metrics, I'm not making this up. That has never been true and it's especially not true now. Hopefully the bell is going off in your head if you're serious about your business I'm sure that it is. Next point.
1: Next point is number eight. Be realistic based on market conditions. If your listing has been on the market for a month and still doesn't have an offer, meanwhile showings are slowing down, you might take your only offer more seriously. If your buyer hasn't seen a single home except this one that even meets their criteria, they need to offer something acceptable if they expect to actually buy the home.
0: Now, here's the mistake that a lot of you will make. You are going to make the seller or the buyer believe that you're somehow going to be Mr. Negotiation, and you're going to somehow beat the bot- the seller up and get them to accept a lower than market uh, price on the property. In other words, you kind of baited and switched that buyer to work with you by telling them that you're somehow Going to be able to be some sort of do something that frankly no seller is ever going to accept in a market like this. Be careful that you do not try to bait a seller, or a buyer, to work with you with the idea that you're going to get them some sort of smoking under market deal. It's not going to happen, so don't present it like that. Because what will happen is when you don't, the buyer will fire you because they'll feel like you lied to them because you did. Point number nine.
1: There you are. Okay. Point number nine. When you're negotiating, consider the possibility of a secondary negotiation when the inspection happens. Maybe the seller will come down from the list price, but that's in exchange for no inspection remedies. Maybe the buyer pays 5% over list, they'll expect the seller to fix some things the accepted price can affect the inspection scenario positively or negatively.
0: That's great advice on the buyer side. Again, inspections are normal. Uh, frankly, should have always been normal. The idea of removing an inspection from a house purchase mm-hmm. has never yeah. seemed, that frankly has always seemed you know wonky to me. Yep. But inspections are back in contracts. And the reality of it is, is you should not be using a home inspection as an opportunity to renegotiate the price. But you can use the inspection <clears throat> as too an too. opportunity to get a lower price, especially for the things that weren't necessarily disclosed. Maybe the seller didn't know about the fact that Furnace is uh, about to give up the ghost and things like that. So you can essentially then get a lot of, uh, you know, uh, you know, price reductions, maybe the best way to do it, by the way, and Julie and I have done lots of uh, coaching on this and we have lots in Premiere about this is don't ask the seller to fix Jack, get the seller to essentially reduce the price or set aside money to fix whatever unsatisfactory conditions there are. Because, this, frankly, the seller is going to find that much more agreeable because they're not going to have to screw around with getting stuff fixed. And it won't slow the momentum of getting the house closed. Because if you're as, asking roof uh, a roof to be fixed or something like that, um, and that's the thing that's standing in the way and it's supposed to close, but the, and the whole deal is predicated on the seller getting the roof fixed and they haven't been able to get a roofer out there, you've just basically maybe blown your deal apart. So opposed to asking for the seller to make repairs, make sure that the seller or ask for the seller to set aside whatever the home inspector said the price of the needed repair might be and just ask straight up for that money to be reduced from the purchase price or if the buyers worried about their own ability to pay for the repairs themselves seller has to set that aside and then again this goes to negotiating the money will go into an account and then the uh, buyer will have a certain amount of time to get the repairs done might be three months, might be two months, and if they don't get it done in that time, the money goes back to the seller. Again, we talk about this in premier yes, coaching. Yes, getting
1: very advanced here. Okay, and that's okay. All right, so we've got point number ten. This is easy. Don't text your negotiations; they'll almost always be mis- misconstrued and are not legally part of any contract. So don't do it. Easy enough. Point number eleven: Don't speculate or make up stories about the buyer, seller, agent, or house. Operate from facts, not fiction. It's easy to make assumptions in the heat of battle, but they are rarely correct. Unless you've got a fact about something, go don't go around guessing the age of a roof or something that you don't know anything about. It'll get you in trouble pretty much every time.
0: You know, you said age of the roof, but honestly, I was thinking about ghosts and haunted houses and more interesting <laughs> things. But that is actually, that is a very mm-hmm. good point. Yeah. You are a real estate agent. Technically, if you read what your license says, it says your job is to you know open the door and let the buyer see the house. How many of you are walking through the house acting like you're Bob Vila? Oh, and if you're younger than, say, 45, you don't know who that Bob Vila is. <laughs> How many of you are walking into the house and acting like a home inspector, Hack acting as a professional decorator? Oh, people work with me because I used to be a contractor. And I always look, if they are in a market with basements, I always look to see what the electrical box is and the age of the this and the age of the that. Don't do that. Just open the door and let the buyer make the decision. Don't start trying to do things that are outside of the scope of your license because you can get sued. So, for example, you are a Mr. Contractor. You might even have a contracting license. You then will uh, trying to lure buyers to work with you because you are a Mr. Contractor forward slash agent. You then tell the buyer advice about a particular house or you don't. You're going to leave yourself liable for potentially being sued because you went outside the scope of what you're supposed to do as a licensee. So I'm going to say this again. Do not play lawyer. Do not play home inspector. Do not play appraiser. Do not play play, decorator. Do not do anything other than open the door, help the buyer make the decision, write the contract. Remember, I told you that.
1: Yes, that's right. So point number 12, look for a solution, not for a fight. Use scripts like, help me understand where your client's coming from or what would happen if we did this? Be a problem solver, not a problem maker. Remember the goal is to close. This comes at this problem happens a lot when it seems like it was too easy to put together and the agent is kind of showing off and they're creating trouble and what about this and what about that.
0: So Julia, this is something happens again. Inexperienced agents will do this. They'll put drama in the transaction because they think they want to try to, they feel frankly awkward about the amount of money they're making. Nine times out of 10, that's what it is. They are not used to making money, not used to making a lot of money, and so what they'll try to do is inflict their BS into the transaction, and you know you know these agents when you meet them because they'll be saying like i worked so hard on that deal or can you believe this or you can believe that the drama is just seeping out of every pore in their body do you think that's good for your buyer do you think that's good for your seller for you to be acting like that of course not they want somebody who's calm cool collected professional someone who knows what to say knows how to get the deal done you are supposed to be removing the drama from the transaction not adding it that is just your ego be very conscientious of that especially in a market like this.
1: Point number 13, consider using video to get your point across in a non-confrontational way. Sometimes the other agent, the buyer or seller will demonize the other party out of frustration or lack of information. Humanize instead, humanize your side of the negotiation to settle frayed nerves and clarify your intentions make a video that the other agent can use to get the deal done. This is especially good if you feel like you're not being heard.
0: Well, this is especially good, frankly, if you're dealing with an inexperienced agent on the other side who can't negotiate themselves out of a paper sack. You're going to want to basically maybe just do a little video to explain what the situation is, if there are any particular, you know, maybe a little bit uh, less traditional caveats to the contract that you're submitting, or if you're on the listing side, you know, the seller situation. And that's going to bypass the frankly the inexperience of the other agent and people are going to look at you hear what you're saying and maybe you're going to explain most certainly you'll explain um, the on behalf of your clients better than the co-op would and again you have to assume that whoever your co-op is there are obviously exceptions but whoever your co-op is most cases is not going to have the experience to know how to negotiate let alone negotiate in a time like what we're going through now remember we've been telling you guys the analogy we've been hoping you will uh, remember, because it does help you, is we're all crossing this long rope bridge, and it's this long rope bridge. It's Indiana uh, Indiana Jones and the Lost, you know, Pinochle. I don't know. <laughs> and the okay. fire
1: from hell. Exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> and so this law it's a long, long bridge. This damn bridge is so long that you can't even really see. It's like through a cloud. You can't. You know, there's land over there somewhere. You just don't know where it is. But this bridge has been there so long, you can't tell which of the boards that you're about to step on that you have to step on are going to be too frail that you might fall through to the whatever the hell it is down the bottom of the gorge, which, you know, is usually not something good. So you have to visualize in your mind what your job is to get yourself to the other side as fast as possible. And you the easiest way for you to do it without experiencing any hardship is obviously cross with someone who's crossed the bridge many, 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 many times before and knows what boards to step on and that is what we know you'll feel uh, when you discover premier coaching so text the word premier to 47372 text the word premier to 47372 or just go to members.timandjulieharris.com you have to get to the other side of this bridge as fast as you can and while the market and while humanity is sorting itself out You will be the person on the other side which will be able to call back, hey, it's okay, I'm over here, you can do it too. That is the point of being in this marketplace, in your family, in your life. What you need more than anything right now is leadership. If you want leadership, become the leader. And then you'll discover that not only, hey, you know what, you can actually do it when you have the skill set, but then you'll soon discover that the world will become flocking to you because everybody wants leadership right now. Be the leader. Be the real estate leader in your marketplace.
1: And our final point, of course, you might have guessed number 14, ask for help. Harris certified coaches are ready to assist every single weekday on our semi-private live coaching sessions. There's no reason to lose a deal when we can help you get it done. One of the most common things coming out right now is I'm in this situation. How do I deal with it? The question was, how do contingencies work? There's all of this stuff is coming out in coaching. And of course, this series has been about negotiation. When you join Premier Coaching, you're going to get our pre-negotiation checklists that's all included the second you join.
0: So text the word PREMIER to 47372 or just go to members.timandjulieharris.com. Remember when texting, message and data rates may apply. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c sweetradio.com.